If one of the hardest things to figure out these days is what to watch next, first of all, congrats. Second of all, you should check out HBO Max. Discover something new to watch on HBO Max like Lovecraft Country, the new HBO series from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams that's got everyone buzzing. Plus, HBO Max is the only place you'll find new binge-worthy Max originals like Selena Gomez's new cooking show. You heard that right. Selena Gomez's Learning to Cook, from some of the world's best chefs, no less. Find your next favorite all in one place on HBO Max. Start streaming today. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Let's talk about your cell phone carrier. When you think about your plan, does what you're getting feel fair? When it comes to staying connected, don't settle. When you switch to U.S. Cellular, not only do you upgrade to fair, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's fair. Learn more at uscellular.com. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who wants Barry Diller to run for president, because why not? But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is someone I know very well, Barry Diller, who I've known, I don't know, for a million years, beginning of the internet time. He's the chairman of- Prehistoric time. Prehistoric, of IAC, the former CEO of several TV and movie studios. He's been the chairman of the Expedia Group since 2006. He does everything. He's a man about town. He's also a big civic booster of New York, which we're going to talk about a little bit because he's doing a really cool thing, uh, another cool thing in New York. And he is one of my favorite people to talk to. He's witty and funny, and he has lots of opinions. (laughs) Try me. Try you. Okay. Barry, welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you so much. So we talked recently at your IAC event, and we had a really good talk about where that is going. Why don't you fill us in on what the stuff you're doing? And I do want to talk about the stuff in New York separately, but talk about where you are as chairman of IAC. Where I am. Where I am is about 24 blocks north of here. Thank you. (laughs) Physically. Okay, but I'm What do I do? Yeah. I cause a little trouble. I stimulate, mm-hmm. I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the great thing for me at this point is on the public companies, there are chief executives of each of them. Mm-hmm. And so I basically don't really have – I have one person – no, I have two people actually reporting to me. Okay. So these people that report to me who are the CEOs, they run their business. They run the businesses. Mm-hmm. And I uh, – I, I cause trouble right. here and there, right. and I help out sometimes when asked, sometimes not even being asked. All right. So, so it, uh, it, it's a different kind of role. Than an operating role. Than uh, line operations. But, right. you know, I stopped being a decent manager some time ago. <laughs> okay, but you are. You've had to be. The businesses you have now are, you know, I see a lot of the dating. You sort of dominate the dating service. Sort of. You completely dominate. No, well, well, very whatever. close. Yes, yes. And then uh, travel. Travel and home services mm-hmm. uh, with Angie uh, uh, Home Advisor and uh, Vimeo and I don't know lots of other stuff. So talk about those businesses just briefly. The the, the dating business, for example, yes. that's been well, the big success, the big sort of knock it out of the park kind of business. Of all of our businesses, yes, the one that is well known is the best known. But you have touched Expedia is not Expedia. well known. No, of course it is. But I want to talk about well, the dating services. All right, fine. But you, you just dominated. want to talk about the dating. No, services. I don't. I don't need to date. But I'm just interested That's in it. Right. Where has it been? You, you, you were very early to this compared to other people. We, well, we were very early because 
What could be more natural than saying that if you could make dating an easier prospect than wandering down the street and think that somebody's going to turn the corner and that's going to be something interesting? And technology solved that 20-so years ago. Mm -hmm. And look, all ways are lovely. It's great if there's a coup de foe and you turn the corner and you're in love, Mm -hmm. but the odds are not so great for that. This is just a better process for meeting people. And how is where is it going to develop into? Where do you? It, look I mean, at well, it is what it is. It mm-hmm. develops into the thing that it actually does every mm-hmm. year more efficiently because the technology gets better. So instead of simply having little tech stuff, you now have pictures. You can do live video. You can do oh, look anything that serves people being connected, whether they do it because uh, they like swiping, because that's a nice little game to Mm -hmm. look at pictures of people and you get to quickly swipe right Right. or left depending upon what your interest is or is not. Mm -hmm. So the evolution of it really is simply that more and more people are more comfortable with it. You know, there was, it started out kind of with a bit of a stigma, like, oh, God, do I, you mean I have, I'm not good enough, I have to resort to online dating to meet somebody? Mm -hmm. But I think that's all kind of washed away uh, as more and more things get done. And you have several, you have Match, you've got Tinder, you've got... Okay, Cupid, Plenty of Fish... We've got lots. You got lots. You got lots yeah. of offers for people. And Tinder obviously is the one that gets the most attention. And and well, uh, because Tinder is one of those phenomenons. You know, don't, they don't not come along very often. They this don't. was and this was grown up in house, and that's also fairly rare. Yeah. For a large company to be able to innovate with really new things. Mm-hmm. And so Tinder was zero to ninety miles an hour in a flash of a second. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Tinder's a phenomenon. And and travel. Let's talk about travel. Where is that from your perspective? Where is it? Yeah. It's doing well, travel. Mm-hmm. The world travels. Uh, Expedia is uh, the world's largest travel company. It has, shockingly, $115 billion in sales, mm-hmm. in gross sales, which is quite remarkable. Right. 27,000 employees. So it's a fairly large enterprise now. Mm-hmm servicing every form of travel in almost every country in the world. And it's a tech company. It's 6,000 or so engineers. It's a tech marvel. I mean, to be able to take all of this information coming from all of these sources and trains and planes and whatever and Mm -hmm. cars and tame that so that when you just type in a simple query, it snaps it right back to you and serves you. I mean, that's— Kind of magic. And, and how do you look at the whole travel industry? Obviously, Airbnb is going to go public this year. I think most people expect so it. So they say. They, you know, it's sort of a comer in that space. How do you look at that, how that space is developing? Uh, we so have a company say. called called HomeAway, mm-hmm. or, or also VRBO Verbo, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, vacation rentals. is not it, It's not exactly the same thing as a classic Airbnb, which is rent your extra room, so to speak, uh, or your extra bed, or whatever, or rent yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but Airbnb has a slice of this. But people in the hotel business worry about it. That in fact, it's going to encroach upon normal, so to speak, or standard hotel services. I don't really think so. I yeah. think, I think yeah. it's well, I think it's also it's also partner, it's also younger people mm-hmm. and older people are two segments of naturalness, so to speak, for Airbnb. Younger people because it's much cheaper than a hotel room. 
Younger people also, for the same reason as really older people, is community. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, we want to, you know, want some warmth around them rather than a maid who never shows up. Right, exactly. It's an interesting fact. The, the, the shift in travel to me is the most interesting part of a lot of the way we do that and how we move in information and things like that. Do you Do you see another shift happening in that, being able to even make it even more facilitating? I think that technology, that what I see in machine learning and AI and its ability, every bird brain will tell you the same, but I see it so practically in Mm -hmm. travel because the ability for tech to actually give you services that surprise you, meaning that they've put together this, that, and other disparate information, and again, through these advanced tech platforms are able to give you an experience that you would never get before in the way that you could right. never get it. Or have the knowledge about it. Well, yeah. It's, it's, again, it used to be you wanted to go to Zanzibar. Uh, you, I never did, but go ahead. Well, if you okay. did, you'd, you'd really read about it. You'd go through this whole process. It would With take you a long agent, time yeah. to research it, to figure it out. What you would be doing wouldn't be that reliable just because there was not enough information. All of this is now you know, in a millisecond. Mm -hmm. So it used to be you could never see a hotel room you were going to stay in. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd have to describe it to you or whatever. There weren't pictures. There weren't video virtual tours. There weren't all of these services that technology, I mean, I do go on too much about all of that. No, not at all. Tech stuff, but I I actually do, because we were in it very early, so I saw... You know, Expedia was the first company to really colonize an area, an offline area, an area that had never been online. Let's talk about that idea of you seeing something earlier. One of the things I always tell people, someone said, who in the media was very smart about this? And I said, there were two people who contacted me. One was you and one was Peter Chernin, of all people, who were interested in Internet stuff and who saw it pretty early. You with uh, Home Shopping. The Home yes. Shopping Network and yes, yes, Peter yes. with lots of different before things that they the were doing. Three they years were doing MySpace and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Why was that? I always, I never why really was, asked. Why, why, why was were my, you a, yeah, why, why me? Well, yeah, why did you see that compared? Because a lot of people were very recalcitrant. I guess Bob Iger was a little bit on the edge of that more, uh, the traditional media executives. Well, I, I, I mean, there's no traditional media. It was all uh, traditional media, we narrative never been traditional media. Traditional at anything. Well, but, narrative media, mm-hmm. let's say. Screens that are used to tell stories as against screens that are used for other purposes, i.e. the world of computational stuff. The cavern between them is you can't make a bigger cavern. They they do in their brain formation. They do such completely different things. Narrative media is an instinctive editorial uh, process. I like this idea as against that idea, whatever and we'll develop it. You think right. research can help you. It's quite purely uh, Instinctual. instinct, instinctive, right. you will, whatever. Whereas on the other side, for sure, everything tech is ones, zeros in perfect, you know, in, in, per, in, in perfect order of the blocks falling. Mm-hmm. So they're completely opposite brain systems. And that's why... I think there's been such very little, almost none, but rare stories where it has been so, of that that divide has ever been well crossed. Mm-hmm. But for me, what happened was, like everything for me, was serendipitous. And also because I do have curiosity. So 
in the early 90s. God, whoa. We met in the Ticketmaster office. You don't remember that. I do. In, did we really? Yeah, you didn't like the furniture. Well, the guy of who course. Ran, Why would I? The guy who did it yeah. had no taste. <laughs> you said um, that. That's exactly what, what were you What were you doing Fred, at Ticketmaster? Fred. Fred Rosen. Fred Rosen. What were yeah. you doing at Ticketmaster? Uh, you invited me there. Why? Because you wanted to talk about the internet. You're oh. like, you seem, you girly seem to know about the internet. Oh, come yeah. in and speak to me. And I said, uh, absolutely. Uh, you did Tuesday Movie of the Week. I will come in and That is true. Get, I did do that. Yeah. And Wednesday Movie of the yeah. Week, too. Thank you. Yeah. But so the thing hap- that happened was that in 90. Uh, four, five, uh, 92, I left Fox. And the first thing I saw in my tour to, because I didn't want to repeat myself, I'd been running movie companies for a long time. I went to uh, QVC, which is at right. that time in, the, it's still in, in Pennsylvania. Florida. Anyway, Pennsylvania. and I and I saw, again, screens being used for something other than telling stories. And I said, whoa, I'd never seen that one before. Mm-hmm. And that intrigued me. I just thought, I thought that is an application of something I thought I completely understood and I completely don't understand. Though they were telling stories too. They were telling. No, no, no. What I'm saying yeah. is that... The, yes, I get it. Yeah. The, the, the narr- there, there's a difference between using a screen, being passive, sitting back, and listening, watching someone tell a tale, as against... What QVC did, which was it was a very primitive convergence of telephones, television sets, and Mm -hmm. computers where you did something, put up a piece of Kleenex and said, would you like to buy this? Mm -hmm. And somebody on the other end, instead of being passive and getting a code, said, said, I want it and was able to order it. So that, that fascinated me. And I didn't know what was going to happen with it, but I thought something's good. Things are going to happen out of that. Utterly unknown. And that's when I took this interest in QVC. And then that was 92, 93. And that led me in 95, 96 to the very beginnings of the consumer internet. Right. I mean, it was so, that's how. Let me fast forward to today because now those consumer internet companies, which you knew very well are in their early days, Google's, the Facebook's, the Amazon's, have now moved into, not Facebook, entertainment, Apple. Yes. How do you look at that now? As they now look up and say, maybe we need to move into this space. And they have. Obviously, Netflix has led the way. Well, you know, as I said, there's there's always, you know, th- th- there's exceptions. And this is an interesting one in Netflix. Netflix is the real exception. Netflix really came into this, uh, again, very primitive, but not real tech, but came into it with those boxes that stood in stores where right. you could get a film and it would clang down and you'd pull the film or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, mailing. And then into mailing movies. And it is the brilliance, really, of uh, Reed Hastings, the founder, really, of Netflix, that he was able to, coming from a fair, pure tech background... He really does, yeah. ...that he was able to get into this narrative show business thing in mm-hmm. such a sure-footed way that no one else has really been able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't compare it. The only other tech company that is in this world of media, really in media, uh, is uh, uh, is Amazon. Mm-hmm. But Amazon's business model has nothing to do with anything who's been, anybody who's been in the entertainment business has lived with their whole lives, which is we have one job. 
We entertain the folks. Right. If they like what we do, they buy a ticket or subscribe to this or get that, and then they get that. Right. In a fair exchange for their creative ability being essentially exchanged by somebody who says, I'll buy that thing. Right. Okay. Amazon's model has nothing to do with it. Toilet Amazon's paper. model is saying, if you join Prime, we're giving you things. Mm -hmm. So our job is to get you to join Prime. If we can get you to do that by giving you Black Panther mm -hmm. or whatever or the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, mm -hmm. then great. But that model to people in the entertainment business is like, oh, my God, how did that happen? I don't know how to do that one. I don't know how I only know how to serve my entertainment customer. I have no idea how to get somebody to join Prime to do this, to get my end product, which is a creative thing. Right. Anyway, that— so Where does that leave? Because Apple is now moving very heavily into it. As, well, they're, after they're not—I wouldn't say they're heavily Not heavily, yet. but more. You know, There's that, money. Well, they're, they're prancing around. They have their little feet in it. They've right. hired some people. They're spending some money, but they do not have, at least yet, although they're going to announce something, I think, very soon or start their— uh, their streaming service. Everybody is going to play in this, but I'm, I think that those who chase Netflix are fools because mm -hmm. I do not think or try to compete with Amazon Prime because I don't think there's any ability for anybody in the, let's call it the long, far, the, whatever, the media business, the entertainment business to do so. And I'm not saying that other people can't build services. Disney has good programming. They'll get some subscribers. Right. But Netflix has won this game. They're, I mean, short of some existential event, it is Netflix's. No one can get, I believe, to their level of subscribers, uh, which gives them real dominance. They can outbid and do, and they do anyone. Right. And they will continue to do so. Right. They did. They just got Ryan... Murphy, they got Shonda Rhimes, they got... Well, yeah, the, but they, they, they will outbid anyone because they have the platform to be able to do so. That so network effect then circle... Then what happens in Hollywood now? What is it? How do you look at it when you look Hollywood at Hollywood? Hollywood is now irrelevant. Okay. I mean, it has nothing... Explain. I mean, it may, That's a big statement. Explain. It is. It, look, it will make and continue to make programming. Right. Clearly. And that is was one of its functions. But what happened to the entertainment business since the early, you know, 100 years ago, is that the, basically, let's start with radio. Radio, essentially, was dominated by NBC, CBS, and as the decades went on, they were able to, because the hegemony was complete, they were then able to get into television. Then they were able to get into the cable business. Then they were able to get into all these businesses, all of which, not that they founded them, but when they got big enough, they would buy them. So right. little Warner Brothers studio bought Time Inc., which bought was had HBO, and CBS, which actually, you know, was the leader in news. It wasn't CBS that started 24-hour cable news, but it was Ted Turner who eventually got bought by Warners. So it was th th these six movie companies, essentially, were able to extend their hegemony into everything else. Right. Didn't matter that they started it. When it got big enough, they got to buy it. Right. Okay? For the first time, they ain't buying anything, mm -hmm. meaning they're not buying Netflix. They are not buying Amazon. 
No, they're not. <laughs> and consequently, their relevancy in the world. In other words, it used to be if you could get your hands on a movie studio, you were sitting at a table with only six other people, five other people. Right. And so that table dominated media worldwide. That's over. Right. So when you ask about Hollywood, that's what connoted, connoted? Yeah. Connotes Hollywood. Right. Which is that that era is over so and So how finished. do they get it? Do they get it? Too? You have, you know, Iger buying Well, what store. happened is, you know, for the first time in 100 years, you saw now the shrinkage. In other words, six movie companies has now gone down to five. Right. Because Fox will cease to exist except to some small little brand like TriStar in five or ten years. So Fox is, as an entity, is gone. Disney is making a very big play because it's got so much content and because it's Disney. They're going to probably, they've always stood a bit apart. They're, they're going to continue to have relevance. And I, Bob Iger is a superb executive and, the, and there's a lot of depth in that company. And they'll be a world player. Theme parks, they've got uh, other things. Uh, probably, you know, and do okay in streaming. Again, hopefully they don't chase Netflix, but with capital expense. But other than that, the movie companies play no Long larger time. role than just making stuff. All right. When we get back, we're talking to Barry Diller. I do want to talk about how what happens in in that gulf then, what, and if Facebook and other companies can replace it. We're here with Barry Diller, the chairman of IAC. And we're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be back after this. Searching for what to stream next? HBO Max is where all of HBO meets the greatest collection of movies, shows, and Max originals for everyone in the family. Discover something fresh to watch with new HBO series like Lovecraft Country from Jordan Peele, Misha Green, and J.J. Abrams, or The Undoing, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. You can also jump into a new Max original like Selena Gomez's new cooking show, Selena and Chef, or The Flight Attendant, a dark new comedic thriller starring Kaylee Cuoco. Ridley Scott's even producing a new series called Raised by Wolves. Whether you want to rewatch classic favorites or finally get into that show your friends have recommended a thousand times, HBO Max has something for everyone. Start streaming today and find your next favorite. Download the app or visit hbomax.com to start your free trial. If you're an early adopter, you get that your devices and your connections need to be fast and help make your life better. But you might be forgetting one thing. Tech should be fair, too. Fairness isn't a new idea but it is to wireless. That's where U.S. Cellular comes in. At U.S. Cellular, people come first. And that means a fast, reliable connection with no hidden requirements and no activation fees. They'll even pay you back for unused data. When you upgrade to U.S. Cellular, you upgrade to FAIR. Learn more at uscellular.com. We're here with Barry Diller, the chairman of IAC. He's one of my favorite people to talk about media and tech because he does he thinks broadly about these things. We're just talking about where media companies are going. What about tech companies, how you see them? Obviously, they've had a very bad year. There's all sorts of issues around. You know, Does they, it matter or they, is it just a media? Had, I mean, they have had such no, a No, they've bad, had a good financial I mean, year. You know, they make tons of money. Mm -hmm. They're grappling with the kind of, uh, you call it, adolescent age where lots of other things come up. They're real serious issues. They're real social issues that are a byproduct of it. But if you think that they're in, I mean, they're in no economic or in industrial economic danger, mm -hmm. they may and should in some cases be regulated because things that have power and influence did. and in some cases 
monopolies need regulation, which will come. Right. How do you feel that they've behaved? Do you think that they've— I think they've done—look, they've done what any dope would do. And I don't mean dope uh, in a negative way. What they did is, with wisdom, great greater wisdom than I think you demand from them, mm-hmm. they started getting these extraordinary outsized audiences. And particularly, we'll, you know, we'll do it with Facebook. Mm-hmm. The consequences of those audiences and what you have to do about them when you get to that size is something that in their speed and their thing to develop it, and, then, and only recently did they start actually getting any revenue for this stuff. And their revenue then skyrocketed and all of that. Just tracking that or tracking, just getting it to function is a very, very big task. Can you fault them for not at the same time saying, oh my God, there are consequences here we really have to deal with. Well, first of all, I don't think they really knew about those consequences. I think those consequences were told to them by what happened with Russia, what happened with, what's also happened with disinformation and all sorts of other things. They're doing now and have been doing diligently. They've been taking care of that aspect to the extent that they can, which is never going to be perfect. But I've always thought, I think Mark Zuckerberg is a fine and decent citizen, Mm -hmm. probably far more decent than any other outsized industrial development of the last Probably better than Andrew Carnegie. You know? I'll give you that. Or John D. Rockefeller Rockefeller, in in whatever. Uh, But Carnegie, too, all of them. And by the way, post-Carnegie, Mr. Smith at GM and this Mm -hmm. one and that one. I think Mark's very decent and very thoughtful. And he will sort it out. And is it easy pickings? Of course, meaning the sense that here's this person who's very young, very rich, very powerful, and all this stuff— he should be criticized. He should be able to take that criticism, and he should be able to be make. He should be able to be productive about it. Mm-hmm. Do you imagine they will be? Because a lot of you know, a lot of the interviews they do, they do tend to. What's really interesting to me is when I talk to them. When it's something's great, it's them. When it's not, it's we. Like we need to fix this. And I was like, I didn't break it, so you know, I don't know. Do you think people are being too hard on them in that regard? I don't, obviously, you know I don't that. think they're being too hard on them. I think that's fine. Uh-huh. Meaning, uh, yeah, they should get criticized because they've made mistakes. I don't think those mistakes were of commission. It's not like they said, yes, let's have our stuff, uh, let's have evil, horrible stuff flow through our communication pipes. Mm-hmm. But their criticism is fine. I don't think you take it to the next level. Which would be? Of saying, well, let's throw him out. Or, or let's, he is not appropriate to right, serve. Or let's regulate or, them in such a way. No, I do think— So what regulation, for example? Well, I, 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 I'm not a regulator here. I do think, as I said, a general thing is, and particularly this is true of Google, which is an absolute monopoly. Mm-hmm. Facebook's not really, yeah. you know what I mean— yeah, it's got a big audience, but it's it. not a monopoly. People could easy, you could easily you know, see a future whatever. where it's, 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 it's being It's used. not structurally monopolist. But I think when you've got that kind of power, it's not that you will, quote, abuse it. By nature, it gets abused. Right. If you have monopsic power, then you are going to squeeze this one, that one, and the other one in order to simply— Get to the next day. Right. So proper regulation in those areas, particularly as I say for Google, because with Google, Google is 
can't help but being predatory in saying, well, you used to get all this traffic for free. Our goal over the last, now it's about 10 years, has been to say, uh, no, that traffic is not going to be free. Those 10 blue links you used to see are now disappearing so below the fold, so below the You will be paying page for access to that, our system. That you're, you're simply going to pay us for this. Mm -hmm. And that's a natural, yeah, why not? Well, that, since there are no other alternatives, that needs some regulation. In terms of whether or not you allow them to say, okay, we used to, in travel, put your travel services here. We're going to we're going to essentially take your money. Right. And Expedia spends three billion dollars a year on Google. Yes, on well, well little less than that, but on marketing, mm -hmm. on internet marketing. Right. A lot of goes SEM. to Google and Facebook, pretty much. Pardon me. Google and Facebook. Right? Yeah, I mean, but you know, actually, anyway, it's in the it it it's certainly it's a big number two billion and. Uh, we, we don't think it's a good idea when you're paying somebody to advertise on their service that they go into competition directly against yeah, you. Right. You think that's kind of wrong. It's a, so many would, people do. So that would be, you know, a form of regulation. Mm -hmm. So do you imagine that's coming? Do yeah. you see it coming? Of course it is. And quickly or? No, no. nothing comes quickly. No, nothing comes quickly. Let's move to Amazon. You, you and Jeff Bezos obviously has been in the news and a lot of his body parts have been in the news. But you were on the board. You I know. Can't, you can't I can't help, help it. You but can't come on. He did it. He put it out there, so to speak. I can't help it. It's like it's a minefield of puns. Yes, um, yes, yes. How do you, like you were on the board of the Washington Post. Um, yes, I was. You were. For many years. For many years. Um, how do you look at them as an entity? You you didn't mention you mentioned Google and Facebook here. As what uh, you mean? Uh, in as terms giant of, entities, yeah. Oh, Amazon is absolutely there, and one of the great things about Bezos is, as against others who've been very defensive about this stuff, mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos said long before, you know, it ever went directly at him. He said, "We are." absolutely deserving of great scrutiny. Mm -hmm. We, we are a very dollar. large company, and we deserve to be put under anybody's Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Microsoft. Microsoft. <laughs> wow. That's cool. I love that. Please save that piece. I will. It's going Anyone's in. microscope. And uh, be completely open and not defensive about that process, mm -hmm. which is exactly the right attitude. Mm -hmm. So... So where do they What's stand? How, how, where do they stand in this lexicon of power? No, they're 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 an increasingly powerful entity, and mm -hmm. they need people to look at their practices, and when they go over the line, which they absolutely will, not as a matter of some evil person petting a kitten in the back room, <laughs> stroking, you know, a kitten devilishly. But th th that, that's going to happen. And when that happens, they should, there should be results to that. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, Amazon, all, all, of course, qualifies for that. And I think that under the circumstances, Mr. Bezos has handled all, and this recentness, I think he's handled it courageously. Were you surprised by his response? I am a very good friend of both Jeff's and Mackenzie's, mm -hmm. as is my wife. And I will never have a single thing to say about any of that. Okay. But I mean, in terms of, of pushing back on this kind of behavior. Well, I think he did, yeah. as, as it relates to what he did publicly, which is when he uh, wrote his... Uh, Memo. Uh, his uh, blog, Peck, whatever. Yeah. David uh, Pecker. Uh, on... Uh, the National Enquirer. 
no, no. What's this? Where did he release Medium. it? Medium. Medium, right. I thought, you know, I, I, many people, uh, there's no one you could say, that's not true. We're all in his position to one degree or, or another, meaning when you have a lot of assets, you're a wealthy person. A lot of people would have said, let's just put this in the drawer. Because... Mm -hmm. uh, Making that statement, taking that position is going to invite what it has invited, which is lots of attention, ridicule, puns, et cetera, great mm -hmm. work in the New York Post front page mm -hmm. and all of that. And that, uh, that, that that's a courageous act. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, How do you think he's run the Washington Post having been there? Wonderfully. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the Washington Post, I was, I think there were nine board members at the time. It was, uh, or 10, I guess, because it was nine to one to sell the Washington Post. And I was the one who said, we shouldn't sell the Washington Post. Why was that? Because I thought that the Graham family, which had done such a wonderful job being at Stewart for all that time, had in their company, which was called the Post Company at the time, had enough resources to be able to invest more in Such as the New York Times. The Washington Post. Right. And continue to be at Stewart. And it was because Don Graham, who is one of the finest indeed, just human people that I've ever known, Don Graham said, I have a greater responsibility. I have a responsibility to the shareholders. And I cannot, quitting that responsibility, knowing what I know, I can't do that. Right. And, and I argued that companies are more than just simply for shareholder return. They have other responsibilities to their community, to what their product is, and to all sorts of things, da-da-da-da-da-da. In any event, they sold it. And by the way, there were a few people I would have hated to buy it, one yeah. of whom almost did. Mm -hmm. And Murdoch? So, no, not Murdoch. Oh. No, no, no. no. Oh, I know. I'm, I, I'm, I think I know. Um, and so when Mr. Bezos bought it, I thought, well, that's fantastic because I know, uh, I certainly know him and his sense of obligation, responsibility, equality. And he's done a fantastic job with it. And so the reluctance of the Washington Post company and the Graham family to continue to support it and sell it to the right person was a great act of great good luck. Because yep. now the Post is thriving. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, and he's brought some technological changes to he's it that were good smart. Stuff with it. Yes, he, has, he has, and he's leaving it alone, from what I can tell, from the most part. Well, you know, I, the idea that, you know, I think proprietorship, I, I've always felt this about the film business and television businesses that I've been in when creators say, well, the greatest thing they did is they left me alone. Mm-hmm. I do not believe people should be left alone. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not in my... I'm talking about meddling. It, it, yes, I agree with you. My, I think he should be involved in, in, in the things In my DNA at. to right. do that. And I right. don't think... I've heard that. that. That Yes, that's probably known by some. I don't think that that's a, a, a bad thing. I think it's responsibility proprietorship. And so he and Marty Barron and whatever have gone to lengths to say never involved in any part of the editorial process. Frankly, any editorial process would be bettered by somebody as smart, decent, engaged as he is an owner. Uh, you know, I was always impressed with one thing about, God knows I'm, I'm not a, uh, uh, I had nothing to do with Fox News uh, when I was at Fox. We, we, we did Fox Broadcasting, out of which, after I left, came Fox News. Mm -hmm. So we won't give you the blame, Barry. We cannot do that. But the one thing that I always admired Murdoch mm -hmm 
is when it came to the ultimate responsibility for what was in his newspapers, he said, I stand behind every one of them. Mm-hmm. When you want to look for who, look to me. Right. I am the proprietor of those papers and take that responsibility. It's the same thing I felt in the movie business when my some of my fellow movie executives would say, oh, well, that was Oliver Stone's fault mm-hmm. for making a movie where he literally said that Lyndon Johnson murdered uh, JFK. Right. I mean, a wildly irresponsible movie on every level, historically and every other thing. And the people in charge of the company said, well, that's not our responsibility, to which I said, it is, of course, your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. there we are. So, so you have Bezos owning these. You have other—you talked about Murdoch. You brought up Murdoch, uh, who you had a long history with previously. You have Lorraine Jobs buying up some yes. stuff, putting money into yeah. Atlantic and stuff like that. You've got Mark Benioff buying time. Yes. How do you look at this, this era of media and, and tech converging? Or tech money, at least. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lorraine Jobs is, I don't think she or anyone else would ever think of her as, no. a, as a technician. Tech money, yeah. Uh, uh, the fortune comes from that, but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter where the fortune comes from. Right. Um, and uh, uh, I but know this genre ben- Benioff, Benioff said to me, because I just saw him the other night, and he, I said, so why, having been a person who bought Newsweek magazine mm-hmm. stupidly and lost a lot of money, <laughs> uh, why are you doing this, Mark? And he really said, he, he said, he, he said, I'm curious about it, number one. And number two, there are a lot of things that I believe in, uh, all of which, by the way, are pro-social. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may be too pro-social or too whatever. You can criticize it. You can do whatever you want on the critical right. uh, rainbow. But he's buying it for public service purposes. Mm-hmm. He has the money to do so. Whether that ever works out economically, doing something for public service you know, he's a very good businessman, so maybe you confuse the two. But all of these things are, are, I think, positive, not negative. Do you see more of that happening? Do you see—it's interesting that this genre of tech money is interested in, in media, so interested in media, <sighs> both personally and from their company's perspective. I think you overstated a bit. All right. Okay, they just have money and they don't want to buy a sports team. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> mean— I think I don't own—although I have yeah. to say, Piero Midiar, who, who started eBay— when he was getting into hotels, I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, I just don't want to own a sports team. And I was like, is that like a requirement of a billionaire? Is that like you have to buy something? Do something, yeah. yeah. Like I'm building a, a, an island. We're going to talk about the in, island in, in, in the Manhattan, next section. You know, I want to understand Because your... I don't want to buy a sports team. Right, right. Do you, Although do you, my son does. I want to finish up this I'm section sure someday with— someday will. You've done a lot of things. What are you curious about right now? And then I want to talk about the island almost completely in the next section. And, and your well, other what I'm, I mean, it, it is curious. I am really lucky— I, I, I really do say it because I think you either have. It's not something, I don't think it's something you can buy or develop or whatever, but I am and always have been just natively curious. I am curious about almost everything, too many things. Mm-hmm. And that ends up being that usually my grasp uh, is never, uh, never gotten within reach or the other way around. Yeah. So what am I curious about now? Right now, I'm not actually... I'm trying to write a book. Really? Yeah. And that takes up almost all my angst. Meaning? It's hard to do. Yes, it is. I've written too. It's hard to do. Are you do. writing it yourself or do you have like a ghostwriter that I wanders? have no ghost. No. You're just typing away. I am typing. What's the title? I, I wouldn't call it away. There I'm right. typing slowly. Yeah. I should finish by 2082. Yeah. I'm trying to, t- I, I know 
that again, in pure like story terms, I have a good story. It's an yeah. interesting story. And so I want to try and tell it. And the only, I have nothing to sell. I mean, I'm not trying to teach anybody anything. Right. Uh, and I'm not writing a business book, uh, whatever. I just think I've got a good story. And the only reason for it to be done or me to do it is if I do it myself. Right, right. Do and you have a thematic thing? And that's a bitch. Or a me? title? Do you have a title? I or don't a have a title. Barry, no. Barry Diller doesn't give any fucks would be the title I would. No, no, no. I, do. Like I give too many fucks. Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, you know, people used to say about Steve Jobs, he was heartless. I was like, no, he has too much heart. I said, that was really the issue yeah. more than anything, which was, and, and it seems heartless. That's why. Yes, is, yes, yes. Which was interesting. All right. So what are you interested in right now? And then I want to get you. What am I interested in right now? Right now. Like what? I what said, I'm right. At? I'm writing the book. But what thing, what thematic thing interests you? Ah, Thematic? Yeah. I don't do thematics. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Very dilly. I can be introspective. That's fine. By well, I, 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 that is as introspective as as, as as the plot will allow. All right. I mean, I don't, I, and themes, you yeah. mean like the world order mm -hmm. and issues of uh, whether or not the green uh, thing should pass? Yeah. It's, it's a nice idealistic and idiotic concept, but. All right. <laughs> We'll get to that in a minute. We're here with Barry Dilla, the chairman of IAC. He just dropped a good one. We're going to take a quick break now, and we'll be back with more. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, we're here with Barry Diller. We're talking about a lot of things. I want to talk, uh, you just dropped one, the, 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 the political, I want to first start on the political thing, and I want to talk about what you're doing civically, because you've been very civically involved here in New York City. You love New York City. You've been here much of your life, right? You've still lived here. off and on, yeah. Off and on. You lived in Los Angeles for part of it, right? I still live in Los Angeles. Um, Talk first about the politics right now. We're about to pass this government bill finally. Yes, yes. Trump is going to say he got he whatever. won the Democrat, whatever. How do you look at the political scene right now or the, or the state of the country? With mood? great dismay. Why is that? Because we have a thoroughly rotten leader in the country mm -hmm. and an accident of history. Hopefully it will be over soon, mm -hmm. though the Democrats— in their usual way, are not coming out. Uh, and in the beginning of this long, long process, it will be for the next couple of years. They're not coming out at the very beginning of it in anything but a, I think, a destructive way. But that's okay. It's early. It'll be early mistakes. But hopefully, in two years, uh, to paraphrase Gerald Ford, this national nightmare will be over. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think we have. Mm -hmm. I think we've degraded ourselves. We've degraded the office of the presidency. We've degraded uh, politics. We've degraded almost everything since he entered the picture. And why is it an accident? You know, some people think it, this is exactly the age of the social media, the age of noise, the age of cable, the age of Fox News, the age of this. Because I, this. I would like to think, and it's maybe not it could be thoroughly naive, that it is uh, hopefully an accident, that it happened because of a confluence of forces that put essentially the uh, the video game in tilt. I mean, it, it made it so that someone unqualified, indecent, I mean, look, we've had good presidents, bad presidents, we've had excesses and this and that. I don't think we've ever had an actually 
bad person. Mm -hmm. It is core, a mean and uh, vindictive, obviously. Well, I, oh, I, you know, I could riff on with all the <laughs> things. Oh, my God, everybody's said them already. You don't need to hear it. So I think that is hopefully an accident of historical forces and not something that is essentially going to be repeated by uh, Pamela Anderson mm -hmm. becoming president. president. <laughs> she might do a better job. Yeah, that would be. Is she running? I don't know. I don't know. All right. So, so what happens then? Where do we come out of it? That the, it will be. It, it will. It will be over. It will be over. You know. But again, we've got to go through a lot of process, and that process isn't pretty. And certainly, the Democrats are not, in my opinion, coming out of it or entering it. Do you like any it. candidate right now? I like lots of them. And some mm -hmm. of them, I mean, I've known for a long time. Some are my friends. Some are people I don't know. There are tons of them. That, Who would be the most you know, ideal that candidate? Is, that is, I can't you do see. that. I okay. won't do that. Other than to say, which I said to some of my friends who, you know, everybody knocks on the doors uh, looking for support. And I said, uh, the only commitment that I've made, and it's, it, 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 it's just an commitment of honor, so to speak, is if Mike Bloomberg runs, mm -hmm. I will absolutely support him. And I why think, is that? Because I think he would be, uh, without to me any question, this country would be very lucky to have a leader like him mm -hmm. uh, in that office. Uh, and I think it's going to be a difficult for that to happen for him. So mm -hmm. if it does, I support him. If it doesn't, I said to the I've said not that it matters what I say to these people, but I said, let's get through the winning process and see where we go. See where we go. Bloomberg was interesting. I think he sort of missed that turn in the last slide. He probably could have prevailed in many ways, if you think about it. Yeah, it's history, and who yeah. knows? And he would say that there was no chance that he would have only ensured, if it wasn't going to happen, the victory of Trump. But I don't know. You I don't think so. My argument has always been to him and to others is, you can't do this by polling. You can't do this by Just research. When you get in, you change the, the dye in the water. Right. And so getting in changes the water. Therefore, you can't predict it. Absolutely. So. It's an instinct. You're like an instinct. How do, what do you think of Howard Schultz's candidacy, the independence, and the billionaire backlash given you're in that little club? Well, I think it's kind of predictive. I'm surprised only because Howard's of a bright man. I can't I imagine agree. why he would— come out and say he's going to run as an independent, which just seems to make utterly no sense to me, but whatever. And what about the billionaire backlash? Do you feel a backlash, Barry? <laughs> billionaire Barry? Well, I don't—I think for sure it is not the age right now to say, oh, God, there goes a good billionaire. I mean, I think <laughs> that right now people are, are skeptical, and I, I think that's okay. I think that like everything else, they're good ones and bad ones. Right. Most of them, however, vast, vast majority have made great contributions to society, to charity, to this, to that. Well, I mean, I watched Gates yeah. the other morning. Mm -hmm. you know, And I read the, I don't know, he just came out with this letter. He I did, don't know if you've letter. read it. Yes, I have. And I thought to myself, look at the transformation of this person. Oh, yeah. Look Speaking at, of look difficult at the, people. Look at the transformation of somebody I didn't really compete with him, though in one little case he actually thought we did years and years and years ago. But here's somebody who was as pure pitch a business person mm -hmm. uh, as you could find. Mm -hmm. And he has truly converted himself. I mean, converted. He's, he, the, the personal growth of this person is 
simply phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And that his talent, his capacious brain, bigger than almost anyone's, that by self-direction, he turned it to the betterment yeah, he took the of aggression. humanity. He took his massive aggression and, and did that, yeah. And is so wildly impressive that I think, God, there for the human spirit. Mm -hmm. How lucky we are. And then he has the means to do so. So speaking of the means, one of the things you've been doing are a lot of civic things in New York City particularly. Um, I don't think I'm aware of other cities you're, you're, you're so Los focused Angeles. on. Los Angeles. Uh, so you do stuff, you've been doing, you've yeah. not been digging that tunnel with Elon, have you? No, no, no. But, All right. Well, let's talk first about New York. Okay. You built, you helped the yes, High Line. Yes, we did. You we and did. your wife. Uh, yes, Dion, very much so. Which was this, this old rail. Yeah. Two and a half, 2.7 mile abandoned rail really road gross. track, elevated track that had been decaying for 60 years and was going to be torn down because the developers in the lower west side of New York, which is where it is, mm -hmm. said that it was impeding their development. By the way, a development none of them had done in about 40 years. Right, it had nothing had been and done all, down there. And, and, all, and all they did is sat on their property, but they thought they should tear this down. And the great irony is, because Dion, my wife, was one of the one or two people who actually prevented Giuliani from being able to tear it down mm -hmm. just before he was ended his term as mayor. The irony is that, of course, now it's now almost 20 years later, and every the, the Lower West Side, because mm -hmm. of the High Line, yeah. has now had the greatest— Development, the, yards, yeah. the greatest development, creative, architectural, buildings, mm -hmm. everything you could imagine. And these, these uh, real estate folk mm -hmm. have benefited more than, of course, anyone else. Right. And they're the ones who wanted to tear the thing down. Right. So anyway, we're very proud of that. So you built that. It's it's beautiful to walk on. I'm yeah. sure Rudy Giuliani takes his daily constitution there to clear his very clear head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet he does. I bet he uses it. That would be very uh, funny. Um, so you did this, and he created a beautiful civic space. Yes, a, yes, a, a public space. Public space that was really lovely. And people, there's all yeah, kinds yeah. of businesses pulling off of it, like you said, oh, and the God. neighborhoods have yes, gotten yes, 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 yes. better. Um, did you anticipate that, or just you were like, this is something No, real? we thought it was, you look, like all these things you do, we thought, what a good idea this was, what, you know, in the imagination and, and, and how it was done is, is, was really an amazing work of art. Mm -hmm. And we thought the first year we'd have, uh, we thought, actually, we thought 350,000 people would come mm -hmm. in the first year. Mm -hmm. We had 3 million seven in the first year. Right. We had last year six and a half million people come. So it's so far exceeded anybody's, you know, original idea, which is always great. You don't either should succeed it this way or to me. Uh, so I'm really interested in cities, why that succeeded. Is it just, it's a, because cities are going transfer, talk about digital transformations, no cars maybe, things will be changing in cities. Well, I know. That would be nice in this city. There's going to be. There's going to be no cars in a city. And yeah, right. We'll be dead, Barry, but that's the way it's going to be. Thank you. It'll be up-down stuff. It'll be vertical lift and takeoff. It'll be okay, autonomous. Fine. That's my feeling. But That'll be when before you, the synchronicity. Right. It, well, it's all a simulation. Yes, <laughs> it's yes, all right, a simulation right. anyway, yeah, Barry. Yeah, We're yeah. all characters yeah, in a, yeah. a mind-fucking game with someone. Um, but when you think about the city, making this, the city beautiful, it, it, you're, what you did was a statement that the city, the analog the, city matters. Here's the thing. I, and the reason, again, that it caught my interest is because I have always been amazed at... Uh, 
you know, public work, public art. I, I, you know, you go to Central Park mm -hmm. and you think, how, how did they do this? Right, you in know, the middle. 150, 60 years ago, mm -hmm. they took this place and they made this thing out of it, which, I mean, just the doing of it was almost impossible. It should have been buildings. In other or words. anything that you see, where it, it took, they're all electives, and mm -hmm. it took somebody to say, I'm going to create something here that didn't exist before. And then they do it. Sometimes it works out terribly because it's not a good thing. But when it works out, you come upon it and you marvel. Oh, my God, that was somebody's elective to do something that now I get to walk by it or walk in it or be part of it. And how lucky am I right. that that thing happened? Right, that so, they had that impetus. So, yeah, think about it. the Central Park. You think about it, in the middle of a city which well, should have had buildings all but over there's it. There's so many examples of yeah. this, and they're not just here. They're all, all over the country. In uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, George Kaiser, who's a big oil person, built a 450 along the whatever that river is mm -hmm. there uh, park that you just go and you marvel at his imagination and the fact that. A hundred years from today, people will be wandering on it. And it was just this guy saying, We need a park. I'm going to do something right. to so, make something better for the public. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. I don't know. That, 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 that loss me. of civic responsibility. That's one of the issues in San Francisco right now. A lot of the tech people, they live up in their things and they have not contributed to the body, body the, the civic life. Well, of I the think city. that's maybe it's early for them and hopefully they will. But yeah, I think that's a terrible shame. Yeah, and I, I, again, it takes now. the most beautiful city in the world is which San Francisco. San Francisco is gorgeous physically. I mean, but it's a hellscape what, what right it, now to what walk it, what through it. What is just amazing to me, and I say it to Sam Altman, as you know, mm -hmm. Sam. I'll be doing a big interview with him in a couple of weeks. Are you anyway? I was in San Francisco, and I left him at lunch on Market Street, and I was walking from there back to the Four Seasons, about mm -hmm. probably mile and a half, something like that. And I thought, I cannot believe I'm walking down this scary street on a sunny day and am literally dodging things that just should not be taking yes. place in a cosmopolitan city. Right. And I thought, I don't care what your excuses are, all you people who are leaders of San Francisco, you're not doing your work. Right. Agreed. It's really and it was it happened very quickly, which was really fascinating. It wasn't it was a relatively new phenomena of people. I do think it's linked to the tech leaders not taking risk. Like in the old days you had Bank of America who are the founders of Wells Fargo take res civic responsibility for cities. Absolutely. For, yeah, and that's their rich people's civic duties are Absolutely. To, to you know, it, it it has been true in New York, it's mm -hmm. been true in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I participated in it growing up in Los Angeles. Uh and so Whatever. Anyway. So talk about your new thing. So, now, yeah, this is so, the thing I want to talk about the most of all, and we'll finish up on that. So we are, for our sins, we're building an island off the Hudson River. <laughs> so easy. And uh, yeah, Let's do and that. you can see it going up right now before yeah. your very Explain eyes. Explain it. An it island. Is, it is. It started like many things. Is it called Diller me. Island? No, okay. absolutely not. It's called Pier 55 and probably is going to end up being called Little Island. Okay. All right. So we like, it's a sweet name. Anyway, it started very prosaically, which is the people who 
Hudson River Park Trust, which covers the waterfront mm -hmm. from Battery Park up to the George Washington Bridge. Right. And have lots of piers and lots of development and lots of lots public of works that they've done in parks. There was a pier that was falling apart. And they came and they said, would you like to just rebuild this pier? And, you know, uh, we'll just put a pier up and it'll be for entertainment stuff, but it's falling apart. And there's been like pier, there's that pier with the, with the, sports on it. There's yeah, there's Pier 40. I mean, Every city has piers that used to bring in stuff, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So no, there's this so, declining so, pier. I say, well, I don't know uh, about just rebuilding this thing, but if I could, if, if we could be ambitious about it, because there's nothing on the water architecturally. No, uh, there's not. It's uh, amazing. Uh, 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 in this great city, whatever, whatever. On either side. And so, absolutely true. And so, we started to think about that, and out of that came this plan, which if I had a picture, I could push through this microphone and show you. I think you would see that it's very architecturally architecturally ambitious, mm -hmm. and it's, I think, a thing of real beauty. And it is <laughs> founded on driving uh, 265 piles into the Hudson River, and then on top of those piles, putting 169 essentially pedals that right. form— Essentially, the outline and the support for what is a park and a performance center. Right. So it's, it's highly technical. It's ridiculously ambitious. No one's ever. Which was what they say to me every time mm -hmm. the costs go up, which is I, I say, well, you, this was a firm budget, and they say, no, it's an R and D project. Yeah. I said, right. well, that's easy for you to say. But it is. But it's highly technical. It what is, you're doing. It, it I is, was reading it, through this it stuff. Is, it is crazy. Yeah, architecturally technical. Very. It is very, 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 and very. And it floats. So, is that? And it well, it doesn't float. It floats it, on the river because right. it floats on big, big piles. cement piles. Right. But it's just started to come up. And it'll take another three years, mm -hmm. and uh, and it it is simply a gift. Simply, it's a it's, it's a gift. It is for the people of New York and the people who visit New York mm -hmm. to enjoy themselves on. And That's what will its it pure be? Performance purpose. space. A it will be everything. It will be uh, festivals. Sports. It will be. We think of it as uh, uh, it's it's whimsical. We hope that you, when you. You, take, you walk out to it on bridges, and mm -hmm. so as you enter midway through that bridge, you'll leave the New York noise and stuff behind and enter uh, Fairyland, at, at, you know, a whimsical, a whimsical place for you to be with your kids, with your friends, uh, hang out, uh, lay about, be entertained, be stimulated— Laugh, cry, and do all of so those things. It's digital? very. Would you call it? Is there are there digital elements to it, or are you just saying analog all the way? No, no, no. This is not. There's not. I mean, it's digitally supported mm -hmm. in every way we can think of. But no, this is absolutely about touch and feel. This is about grass, and this is about. I mean, the landscaping for this. I would hate to quantify for anybody because it would scare them and me, but it's designed to be beautiful and to touch it and feel it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's necessary in this modern city where we're city where we I, It's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, the work of the Gates Foundation. I'm, it's not going to cure malaria. Mm -hmm. But I, as I said earlier about public art, public spaces, it is for the enjoyment and stimulation of the public. And I think that is a worthy thing mm -hmm. in, in any environment, any in any place. Mm -hmm. Do you imagine our populace has gotten too screen-oriented, too digital? Oh, no. I think, I think no. on the contrary. That we need— I think the more you're in a 
ugly little room like this with microphones and <laughs> buttons to push and things like that. <laughs> we can't do it the outside. The more right? you want to be outside on the lawn or you right. want to see pretty things, you want to be in, I think that's life. You know, it's just like I love travel because life is travel. Mm-hmm. And if there's life, there's travel and vice versa. I think the same is true of being able to come upon something that's unexpected, that gives you pleasure, is part of a physical life. Right, yeah. right. You would never want to be replaced by a robot or robotic parts or things like that. I would that. be impossible. We are in a tech I, would, I could not be. <laughs> I, would, I would, it would be. That would be a really good episode be, of Black it Mirror. Be, it, would, it would, it would be organ rejection. Yeah, exactly. Last thing I want to talk about, when we talked recently at your IC event, you said you were optimistic. I was sort of surprised because you're very funny. Like one of the funniest things you ever said, we were talking about Hollywood, and you said the, um, it's a miracle their children have teeth because they're so <laughs> You know, always have such a good line about things. And I don't want to say you're cynical, but you're you're very funny and Oh, well, hopefully I am funny, but I'm definitely and I yeah. But you I said optimistic, I which I never would have linked can't with take you. Critical faculty off. I am absolutely optimistic. Mm-hmm. And I and my wife, who is European and uh, Europeans uh, you know, born in the m- mid-century 20th mid-century are not by nature optimistic, mm-hmm. you know. Well, they had some history. They have their reasons. And uh, and she says to me, what a naive fool I am. And I say, <laughs> yes, I am, and I'm going to continue to be. Dion is like, the end of the world is nigh. Right. True. But right. I don't feel that way. All right. Barry Diller, as usual, you're a fantastic person to talk to. I'm sure we'll have many discussions in the future. Thank you for coming on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Barry, do you have a Twitter handle? Where can people follow you? Of course not. Okay, okay. (laughs) Are you out of your mind? Just very briefly, you pulled me over at a party. You're like, what are you doing? Here was a Hollywood party. And Robert De Niro was next to us. I'm going to tell the story very briefly. And and you go, do you know Bob De Niro, Kara? I'm like, where would I meet Robert De Niro? (laughs) First of all, you live in a world where you meet Robert De Niro. And then you... You made me talk to him about Twitter, whether he should be on it. <laughs> and I was like, no, Robert De Niro should not be on Twitter. So you were not doing any of that stuff. No, I, it, it, uh, I just did Instagram because we had a Christmas Africa trip. So I decided mm-hmm. to do it. And my friend said, oh, my God, don't you know how to edit? <laughs> do you like it? Do you like- I stopped. You stopped. I, thought, I agree. I think it's a performative museum. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. HBO Max brings all of HBO to your fingertips, plus an epic list of new Max originals. Whether you're into animation, classic movies, or binge-worthy series, HBO Max's suggested collections are curated by real humans, not robots, so you find the right thing to watch every time. With thousands of options for you and the family to choose from, it's the streaming platform of your dreams. HBO Max, where HBO meets so much more. Start streaming now at hbomax.com.